This is the Tribune Audio Network. Okay. Hi. This is episode one of Sip, Survive, and Repeat. Yes. (laughs) That was like amazing. We're all staring deeply into each other's (laughs) eyes. It's very not romantic here. Slightly awkward. (laughs) We are very close, but yeah. I like it. Um, so let's talk about how we came up with this podcast. I think mostly, I mean, a big part of it was Danelle. So Danelle Cherry mm-hmm. and like I'm Jenny fruit. Day. Yeah. And I'm Kenny. Yeah, Kenny. Um, we did want Danelle to change her name to Denny, so it would be Denny, Jenny, and Kenny. But Which could happen. I mean, yeah. It's only the first episode. The possibilities are endless. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So why did we pick this topic? Well, we wanted to talk about something that we are all interested in, and I think something that we were all interested in is survival stories, and we're all, Jenny and I are interested in true crime, and we love My Favorite Murder. Yeah, shout out! And it brought us together, uh-huh. and I'm also a huge fan of the show I Survived and just survival stories in general, so we are trying to come up with a good idea, and that's what we came up with. I like it. Um, well, we do have a wine that we are going to be drinking, so I'm going to give everyone their gifty. Thanks, Jenny. So this, this so nice goes with the wine. Um, so everybody's opening. We're doing an unboxing that you can't see, which is great for podcasting, <laughs> obviously. Right. You'll hear all of the paper moving Crunch. around. It yeah. is breakable, Crunch so don't drop it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, we didn't have a logo yet, so I just made these with you know, the regular. They, the wine glasses say sip, survive, repeat. Yes. Which Wouldn't it be weird if it said perfect. something else? <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> It'd be like sip, relive, repeat. Oh, shoot. That's not our name. That's okay. <laughs> All so, right. So what wine are we drinking? We are drinking Cloudline, which is a wine from Oregon. Mm. It's a Pinot Noir, and it's from 2017, y'all. I'm pretty sure... All wines from Oregon are Pinot Noirs. But if I'm wrong, people in Oregon, please Listen, tell me. This is a smooth wine. It's one of my favorites, and it's going to be great. Um, so. One thing I can tell you that I learned. So I, one of my um, best friends from college lives in Portland. And uh, before she lived there, we went up there for like a girl's trip. And uh, we were in the... Uh, Willamette area. I'm drinking Willamette wine. And everyone's like, that's not how you say it. It's Willamette. Well, I can tell you from locals, at least this is what they were told me, they told me it's Willamette, damn it. So, <laughs> so you, that's how you remember how to how say it. That's how I remember it. how to say it. You have to have those because otherwise it's like, I don't know, to quote. Willamette, damn it. <laughs> to quote some of my favorite gals, spell it like you say it. Yep. <laughs> oh, I, I totally girls. agree. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Danelle, you just moved. So we just like literally. Yeah, I'm a mess right now. <laughs> I love we just it. bought a house. We're in the process of moving. And my life is in shambles in a good way. Like, for <laughs> example, on my way here, I left my purse at work. Just who needs your purse? I mean, yeah. just left it at work. Great. I feel I like that's amazing. I hope I don't need money or cash for the right, for the right home. but Or your ID for any or reason. Or my ID for any reason. <laughs> But well, let's cheers, cheers to the first podcast into Danelle's new house. Cheers. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Kenny. Now I wonder, are people going to be hearing us swallow the whole time? We'll find out. <laughs> um, why I don't, don't you... I don't think so. It doesn't look like okay, it. Okay, good. So it should be good. Kenny's Kenny. in charge of the sound system here. 
all right, so your life is in shambles because mm-hmm. uh, you moved. Uh, we almost had to record in her old house, which yeah. is sitting empty right now. Yep, so it's we... going on the market next week. Cool. So hopefully it sells fast because if you've ever bought a house, you're broke afterwards. So mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to that. Good. Uh, we're at Kenny's girlfriend's place right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, me and Danelle were very impressed that he had a key to get in. I think things are going to move to the next level, but that's for future podcasts. Sorry, Kenny. I just don't like waiting outside in the snow. So I, <laughs> I needed a key to get in. And oh. her apartment is adorable. It's the cutest, you guys. Like so when thanks, I was Kim. Shout out. What is she? Twenty four. Yeah. Good lord. No, I didn't live this cute when I was twenty four. No, my apartments were rat dens. Yeah, I this mean, is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Good job. Good job, Kim. Good job, Kim. <laughs> and thanks for letting us use your space. <laughs> We're trying to find a more permanent spot to do this. Kenny keeps dropping his phone if you hear that at all. Uh, but anyway, so we were talking about water consumption. Remember how you told oh, me you yeah. didn't drink so anything? On the way here, this is Danelle, obviously. Um, I said to Kenny, we were we all worked together as well. So I looked over to Kenny and I said, I have not drank any water today. How disgusting is that? And I said I've it's o- not. And Jenny was on board with it. <laughs> I, I only j- had coffee and now I'm drinking wine. That's, that's so per- gross. No, that's perfect. I, My whole day is made up of drinking caffeinated tea all day long until it's perfectly acceptable to drink wine, which I think is four o'clock. Yeah. Well, it's going down <laughs> real smooth right now, so... <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, what else were we talking about? We were like, save it for the podcast. Don't talk yeah, about next it right time now. Before, the next time we do this, we're not allowing ourselves to talk to one another beforehand, which yeah. is hard because we work together, but just on our way here, we just won't talk to one another. Yeah. Well, I will say on the way here. Oh, boy. Uh, I was not knowing where I was going to get here, and I can tell you for sure that there were some aggressive drivers. That man wanted to run you off the road. He did. He, he was, was not real, into it. He was real mad at me. Yeah. He was real mad in his Chevy something. I was like, <laughs> you're like, bye. You, you need to simmer down. Yeah. Because it, it's not that important. Uh-uh. Well, anyway, I took me into Nell the wrong way and then she did put it in her GPS. Anyway, whoop, we found it. Sorry, I just hit my mic. Um, all right. So should we talk about survival stories? Yeah. Because that's what we're here to do. Let's do it. I'm kind of nervous. Oh, God. I am too. Okay. We, okay. So we said that we were going to rock, paper, scissor this. Are we doing best out of three or just like a one-time deal? Let's, what do you think, Kenny? I think one time just for the listeners. So okay. Right. Listen, listen to us playing in rock, oh, paper, scissors. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Ready? <laughs> okay. One, two. No, wait. It's one, two, three, then go, right? Oh, okay. Is it? Now, now the listeners have to hear it again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We tied. We both did scissors. scissors. Okay. One, two, three. You pound my scissors. Yes. So, so what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm very nervous. Um, okay, so survival stories. Um, so when we talked about this, it was basically like any survival story will do. So it could be a true crime situation where someone got kidnapped. It could be a um, the bear attack. <laughs> which which happens. Yeah. And um, mine is actually a very famous plane crash, which I'm obsessed with plane crashes. So why do you look so happy, Danelle? No reason. And oh. we don't know each other. Oh, yeah. We don't know each other. So Danelle has this look of like Okay, I'm not saying anything. Her. Okay. <sighs> She's losing it. Okay. okay. So uh, my survival story is uh, the 
oh great, I didn't even put it on here. It's uh, <laughs> the name of it. It's the Uganda flight that crashed into uh, the mountains. Uh, let's see. The aircraft was FAU 571, and it was in 1972. So transport your back yourself back to 1972. I'm there. None of us were alive. Bell bottoms. Yeah, bell bottoms. Cool hair. I can like Lots see the drugs. Hair. Yeah, got it. Although these guys that were on this flight. They were members of the, get this, Amateur Old Christians Club Rugby Union Team. Oh. That's like a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, they were, I'm not going to say these right because everything's in a different language. Ugandan? No. Montevideo, <laughs> Uruguay? Sure. Sure. Sounds great. Um, and they were scheduled to play a match against the Old Boys Club, an English rugby team, in Santiago, Chile. That one I got. That one's good. <laughs> Chile. Okay, so you have the Old Christians Club mm-hmm. versus the Old Boys Club. I don't know why everyone has to be so old. A natural match. Perfect. Um, Daniel Wan chartered uh, the oh, Uruguayan Air Force Twin Turbo Prop Fairchild uh, to fly the team over the Andes to Santiago. So they had to fly over the Andes to get to uh, this match. Okay. So... Uh, the Uruguayan, I'm totally it's murdering fine. that. Um, they that rugby team had to fly over the mountains to get to where they were going. So Colonel Julio Cesar Faradas, right? I'm sure I said I'm sure I did that bad. Was an experienced Air Force pilot, and he was the the main pilot on the flight. He was accompanied by co-pilot Lieutenant Colonel Dante Hector Lagara. That wow. was wrong too, probably. Lagara was in training. Okay. Okay. They shouldn't tell people that, and I don't think they told this rugby team, because if somebody, if I got on a plane and they were like, hey, you know, this guy's really experienced, but we're going to let this guy that's flown no, a couple times I'm going to get on a wheel. bus instead. Yeah, exactly. Like, no. No. Don't no. do that. Anyway, but you have, I mean, you got to learn somehow. And it's also the 70s, and <laughs> aircraft is not what it is oh, today. wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Right? Oh, my God, I'm sorry. But on this flight, okay, he was training the co-pilot, LaGuara, who was a pilot, uh, who was a pilot in command. As they flew through the Andes, clouds obscured the mountains. Uh, the aircraft, FAU-571, was only four years old and had only 792 airframe hours, which I assume that means how many hours it's been up in the air. Sure. Sure. Sure, go with that. Um, this is the best part. When you said 1970s aircrafts may not be the best, the aircraft was regarded by some pilots as underpowered and had been nicknamed by them as the lead sled. No. <laughs> no. I would not get on. So like uh-uh. again, I think these are things that the pilots knew, but maybe like the poor rugby team players didn't know. They're gonna be like, "It's fine, yeah, get on it." So they charter this flight, and here's a sad part that makes me crazy. And it's like, Ugh. uh, there were ten extra seats on the plane, and so the rugby players were allowed to invite friends and family <gasps> to join them. Oh no! To come watch the match. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So they brought you know friends and family, filled up those seats. Uh, Get the, on in there. Oh, God. The, the aircraft departed Carrasco International Airport on the 12th of October in 1972. Okay. Um, but a storm front over the Andes forced them to stop overnight in Mendoza, Argentina. So, okay, wait, wait, wait. We have the lethal, <laughs> the plane called the lethal sled. No, the lead sled. Lead sled. Yeah. And a winter storm. Yeah. And then a pilot that's in training. Yep. yep. Absolutely not. And no Xanax. No, I don't think they had Xanax back then. They had other drugs, but I don't think they were legal. (laughs) No. No, absolutely not. So So they, okay. They land. 
And at this point, like I was watching a documentary on YouTube and I, I was like, oh, if they had just stayed there, if they had just stayed just, there a little longer, just like a little longer, it maybe would have been okay. Did they stay the night? They or? did. They okay. stayed the night okay. um, because of the storm. And then they all got back on the flight uh, from Santiago, uh, which is where they were staying. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. There's a direct route from Mendoza to Santiago, which is 120 miles to the west. I love it there. The high mountains require flight levels of 25,000 to 26,000 feet. And that is very close to this plane's maximum operational ceiling of 28,000 feet. Ooh. Yikes. Yowzers. <laughs> so the weather on October 13th uh, also affected the flight on that morning. Um, and the conditions over the Andes had not improved. But changes were expected. Right. So and they like, got get a tournament out there. to get to. Right. Get up, get up in the Ooh. air, you guys. Get to the tournament. We can do it. You know rugby. It's like a big, sled. It's a big deal. On the lead sled. Um, so given the cloud cover, the pilots were flying under instrument meteorological conditions. That's a big wow. word. Jenny. At an altitude of 18,000 feet. Let's remember, that's not high enough. That's, okay. <laughs> and. I, I feel like a mountain's like 23,000 feet. Well, they couldn't visually confirm their location. Oh, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So some reports state that the pilot incorrectly estimated his position using dead reckoning, which I should have looked that up. I don't mm. know what that means. It sounds very technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pilot was relying on radio navigation. The aircraft's instrument displayed to the pilot a digital reading of the distance to the next radio beacon in Curco? Curso? Sure. <laughs> I love how I picked this one as my first one. I can't pronounce <laughs> I any of the words. It's Wait so till cool. I go. It's going to be worse. Um, Don't worry. The controller in Santiago, unaware the flight was still over the Andes, authorized the descent. Mm-hmm. So he was authorized to descend to 11,500 feet. Now let's remember, oh, no. we're not supposed to be that low. We're in the mountains. No. They're high. Yeah. That's yeah. why it's called a mountain. Correct. <laughs> So, uh, later analysis of their flight path found that the pilot had not only turned too early, but turned on a heading of 014 degrees when he should have only turned 030 degrees. Now, that makes no sense to me, but that's, it seems like half. That's a lot. That's a lot wrong, right? Listen, I cheated in geometry. (laughs) I cheated off Tony Ward's desk in geometry, but I know. Was he cute or was he just really small? Oh, Tony. I passed. I mean, I I graduated high school. It's great. great. But I feel like that's a lot. That's a big difference. I don't know a lot about angles and degrees, but that sounds like a lot. That doesn't sound right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so then, to p- fix it, the pilot applied maximum power. No. So the aircraft was descending. There was severe turbulence. It was tossing the aircraft up and down. Uh, Nando Parado recalled hitting a downdraft, causing the plane to drop several hundred feet and out of the clouds. Ooh. Can you imagine that? No. That's my friend, my friend Connie. That's her worst fear is dropping on an airplane, yeah. like free fall. Mine, I mean, or I think even just too. like a little turbulence Oh, God. Drop. It's the worst. I got stuck in a lavatory once during turbulence, and I thought I was going to die in a, in a bathroom on <laughs> no, an airplane. No, that's the worst. And I tried to get out, and some guy like shoved his foot in there and was like, no, you can't come out. <laughs> Ma'am, sit back on that seat now. <laughs> Finish like, your business. I'm like, well, there's no seatbelt in here. Yeah, well, because it was there's so no well, the, it was so turbulent, they had people who were waiting for the lavatory sit on the ground. That's, That's how, and I was in the lavatory, like the water's going to fly out on me. Yeah. The poop's going to fly out I'm on me. I'm always worried the, the, like for some strange reason, the bathroom's going to like fall off. 
like disengage mm. from the rest of the plane and I'll be like on the toilet like well I've heard those stories that if you go to the bathroom on an airplane that you um and you flush it'll suck your intestines out I don't know if that's true Jenny no now I'm afraid of that <laughs> so, well just Damn stand you. up before you stand up before you flush like geez. yeah who sits and flushes as a female on an airplane bathroom no thank you no you're gonna don't get spray do back you're gonna get sprayed back. you don't do it no no all right so don't worry I'm gonna talk about the tail end of the plane in a sec uh, the pilot applied maximum power in an attempt to gain altitude. Witness accounts and evidence at the scene indicated the plane was, st- he struck the mountain either two or three times. So they hit it a couple times. It wasn't just like, oops, we, we just grazed the tip He's of this like, mountain. I really need to ram into this thing. Yeah. So at 3.34 PM, uh, basically the tail of the plane is ripped off. Oh my God. And both wings. And now the, it's a real slut. It literally turned into a huge toboggan. So everybody was hurtled down. I don't know how many feet. And they landed on a huge glacier. So terrible. When the tail ripped off, anyone who was in the back of the plane in that tail section Mm. went with it. They they fell 2,400 feet, by the way. Thank you, Kenny. Look at Kenny. That's the the facts. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. They didn't make it. Uh, no. So, but don't worry. This is a survivor story. So, right. not everyone dies. So that's good. Um, so only some. Yeah. Uh, the so all the wings, the back end are off. Um, one of the propellers sliced through the fuselage as the wing it was attached to was severed, and two passengers were sucked out of the rear. That is ter- That is one of my biggest fears. Yeah. It's For like, real. Like, that's no, a I know. big fear. Along with sitting on the toilet and <laughs> the bathroom. Yeah, I think, th- I don't know. I feel like the toilet one would might you, be more. Do you think you would die instantly if you were sucked out? I don't know. May I bet you would probably pass out. You think so? I don't know. Just from being like, yeah. Like Because being... I, I want to make sure I, like, pass out before I die. Right. Like, that happens to me. <laughs> okay. You just knock yourself out yeah. in the head. It's perfect. Yeah. No, I think that's um, terrifying. It happens. It happened so fast. I don't know if yeah. they would even know what was happening. Um, so, of the forty-five people on the aircraft, three passengers and two crew members in the tail section were killed when it broke mm. apart. Um, at least four died from the impact when the um, fuselage hit the snowbank, and it ripped the remaining seats from their anchors and hurled them to the like front of the plane. Turn the page. I also want to tell everyone that I made this 16-point font because oh. I didn't want to wear my glasses tonight. <laughs> nice job. Um, co-pilot Lagara, I think I'm totally saying that wrong, was critically injured and trapped in the crushed cockpit. He was the one who was being trained. Mm. He asked one of the passengers to find his pistol and shoot him, and the passenger declined. Oh, I would do it for him. Would you? I would. I, I truly think I would. Well, he, I mean, he ended up dying like later that night. Okay, the passenger that declined, did he end up living? I don't know. It okay. doesn't say which passenger declined. Okay. Wait, so you would shoot the pilot? If he was going to die and he... I, no, I, it's the co-pilot. Oh, right. The co- right? The, well, the pilot was already yeah. dead. Oh, shoot. Okay, I retract that. I would not shoot him because then you're really going... Like, it, there's no... Like, there's no I, one to I'd man the plane I'd give him the gun then. to do it himself. I want I want to do it. Yeah. That's I don't a, know that's what... That's a bit much. I don't know what his situation was. Like, I guess if, if it was dire, maybe... Yeah. Like, if you could tell he wasn't going to make it, like, sure, part like of the plane. Like, if he was in pain. But what if, like, there's a chance he could still steer the plane? Well, so he, I, I retract that. I wouldn't No, no, no. It. But he can't. There's no wings. And there's yeah, no that's tail. that's true. That's, that plane is a toboggan now. Shoot. It's not real. I don't know what I would do. Okay. Danelle's beside herself right now. Okay. 
I think I think I would pass. Now that I really thought it through, I, I think, think I, I would, would have pass. to pass just because yeah. it, it would freak me and out. And what if I lived and I couldn't live with that on my conscience? Anyway. I know. It's not about me. Sorry. <laughs> so 33 remained alive. Uh, oh, that's a lot. Yeah. But many were seriously or critically injured. They had broken legs um, and lots of other problems. But things. broken legs things. and broken things were a big part of yeah. it. Because the, all the seats, you remember, you know how your seats are anchored in a plane? Yeah. Like they're bolted in? No, those all came out. And they just all flew forward. Okay. So the Chilean Air Search and Rescue Service, also known as SARS, was notified within an hour. So they started looking for this flight. Um, and it's in the mountains in snow, I'm imagining. Yeah. So it's a white plane in snow. Great. Uh, there were accounts that people found lipstick and things in the luggage and were trying to write SOS on the Aww. top of the plane, but they realized they didn't have enough to make it visible to people who were flying above. So sad. So it was kind of terrible. Um, so the, the sad part about this is unknown to the people on board or the rescuers, the flight had crashed about 13 miles from a hotel. It was an abandoned resort. Still so, warmth or uh, and hot springs that might have provided limited shelter. I mean, thirteen miles is a long way, but still, that yeah. would have been. Do you think they amazing. were dressed for the weather? They were not. That okay. was the other thing that okay. in the in the documentary they pointed out is that everyone was dressed for, um, you know, they were going to Chile, it, which is warm. Yeah, right? it's in South America. Yeah. So I mean. It was basically everybody was wearing their yeah I don't their their summer to fall gear for South America, which I'm sure is not sweaters and I don't think I could do gloves. 13 miles. I mean no. that would be like, you know, yeah. Um. So on the second day, 11 aircraft from Argentina, Chile, and Uruguay searched for the down flight. The search area included their location, and a few aircraft flew near the crash site, but again, they couldn't see it because of the snow and the white plane. Um. The harsh conditions gave searchers little hope that they would find anyone alive. Surf search efforts were canceled after eight days. Yeah. And there are survivors to this story. Uh-huh. Hence the name of this podcast. Uh-huh. Sip, Sip survive, survive, repeat. repeat. On October 21st, after searching a total of 142 hours and 30 minutes, <gasps> the searchers concluded that there was no hope and terminated the search. They hoped to find the bodies in the spring when the snow melted. Oh, that's great. I can't wait for Danelle to hear the rest of the story. I know what happens. And I just... <laughs> yeah, Kenny knew ahead of time. All right, so basically what happened is the survivors found a small transistor radio jammed between the seats of the aircraft, and Roy Harley, who was one of the passengers, improvised okay. a very long antenna using electrical cable from the plane. Yeah, Roy. Um, he heard the news that the search was canceled on their 11th day on the mountain. Oh. And I have his. I have the quote from this this one young man. Um, the others who had clustered around Roy upon hearing the news began to sob and pray, all except Parado, who looked calmly up at the mountains which rose to the west. Gustavo Nicolich came out of the aircraft, seeing the faces, knew that they had heard. Nicolich climbed through the hole in the wall of the suitcases and rugby shirts, crouched in the mouth of the dim tunnel, and looked at the mournful faces which were turned towards him. Hey, boys, he called off. Uh, oh, hey, boys, he shouted. There's some good news. We just heard on the radio. They've called off the search. Hmm. Inside the crowded aircraft, there was silence. Why the hell is that good news, Paez shouted. Because it means that we're going to get out of here on our own. 
the courage of this one boy prevented a flood of total despair. Oh, I have goosebumps. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. So, Truth. yeah, this, this kid was just like... Glass half full. Yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. So during the first night, five more people died. So... We're, people are dwindling. Yeah. Uh, the passengers removed broken seats and other debris from the aircraft, and they fashioned a crude shelter. So they basically made the hull of the aircraft their shelter, mm-hmm. um, and they tried to keep it out of the cold. And they used uh, like lining from the seats and things to try and like fashion, yeah, like kind of jackets or shawls or something Anything. to keep them warm. Yeah. Um, the survivors had extremely little food. Are you ready for this? They had eight chocolate bars, a tin of mussels three small jars of jam, a tin of almonds, a few dates, candies, and dried plums, and several bottles of wine. I mean, cheers to the wine, but that's not enough. That's not enough. No, no. So how, what day, like how many days are they at this point? Um, okay, so we're 10 days after the crash. Oh my God, and that's all the food they have. Yeah. So um, That's like a lunch for me. So Parado, for instance, uh, who's one of the players i believe ate a single chocolate covered peanut over three days oh my god i don't even know how you do that like that's a tiny that's a tiny morsel how do you split that up i don't know i don't know over three days maybe you suck the chocolate off and you eat one half yeah. of the peanut than the other that's that's exactly what you do you're welcome <laughs> if you ever need to do that eat a peanut over now three days you, now you know how now you know uh 10 days after the crash they were facing starvation and death the remaining survivors mutually agreed that if they died the others could use their bodies for sustenance. Wait, what does that mean? Food? That they could oh, eat their friends. Yeah. So basically they said, hey, Danelle, if I die, you can eat me. I can't. Right? I can't do that. But right? I can't, also I can't say that because I'm not in that situation. That's, but that's, I feel like if I was in that situation, I would say the same thing, right? I mean, I mean yeah. I'm dead. Otherwise, you're dead. Yeah. So, oh, that's the, awful. The group survived by collectively deciding to eat the flesh from the bodies of their dead comrades. Do you know whose bodies they started with? The cat, the pilot, the pilot, and the co-pilot, because they didn't know them. Yeah. You know what? That's good logic, though. I feel like they didn't feel as bad, but yeah, I'm still like, no, I mean, but I agree. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't. And and here's the thing. I'm yeah. not saying it's whatever, but they shouldn't have had that untrained pilot. Oh, agreed. I mean, not that he deserved that, but I'm just no, saying, like, if you're gonna start somewhere, there you go. So, um, that's, one that's... of the one of the people, Canessa, used broken glass from the aircraft windshield as a cutting tool. Ooh. He set an example by swallowing the first matchstick-sized strip of frozen flesh. Ooh. Several others did the same later on. The next day, more survivors ate the meat, but a and few it... refused, and a few couldn't keep it down. And it's not like they had a fire to cook it. Correct. Yeah, they I mean, didn't it's have just anything. raw. You know, it's just raw flesh. Frozen flesh. I mean, here's the good thing. At least it was still snowy on the mountains mm-hmm. because that did preserve the bodies. Right. So they weren't going like rancid. They weren't like, not to be gross, but like worms and stuff. Yeah. No, they were, tro- I mean, they were, <laughs> they were being preserved really well. Here's the thing. Well. you're going to starve to death or you're going to freeze to death. But here's the thing. It gets worse. Oh my God. Mm. How have I never heard of this one? I don't know. Was this a movie? Yes. Okay. The movie is, I've never seen The movie, movie is alive. I've never seen that. Yes. Um, so near midnight on October 29th, an avalanche cascaded down mm. on the survivors. Are you they slept. kidding me? No. <laughs> this is what really happened. Can you believe this? So basically. This mountain is pissed. Yeah. 
So they're completely buried in the fuselage. So they're in their shelter, which is like the hull of the plane. Okay. And the survivors are trapped inside. And basically the snow in the plane now is three feet, three inches um, up from the, like, so they're basically like only have a couple to breathe. Yeah. So they realize they're going to run out of oxygen if they don't. Suffocate, yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the passengers realizes this and, like takes a big pole and pokes out These so they can have smart. air. They are because I wouldn't have thought. I would that. not like the antenna, yeah. starting with the captains and now this. Yeah. Now some people didn't make it during the avalanche when they were in the fuselage. Uh, they died from the impact. So buried alive under several feet of snow with the corpses of their friends and no other choice. On the third day of being buried alive, they resorted to eating the flesh of their newly dead friends. Oh. So it was not good. I, um, okay. On December, now, okay, I think that, I think that's most of the worst of it, okay? So, on December 12th, uh, 1972, two months after the crash. Two months. Two months? Uh-huh. Two months. Yeah. Uh, Parado, Canessa, and Vizenton. Now, is Parado the one that had, like, that made the, the speech? No. That was, oh, like, a, a younger sorry. member of the... Okay. Yeah. Um, but they decided that they were going to start walking to find help. So they start walking, and they basically realize, like, A, they're not where they thought they were based on what the pilot had told them, mm-hmm. um, and B, they weren't going to make it because they didn't have enough, like, to keep them warm or food. Um, so Parado said, Roberto, can you imagine how beautiful this would be if we were not dead men? And the next morning, the three men could see that the hike was going to take much longer than they had originally planned. They were running out of food. So Visentin agreed to return to the crash site, and the return was entirely downhill. Are you ready for this? Using an aircraft seat as a makeshift sleigh, it took them, let's see, I think it took them three or four days to get to where they were. So he has to return to the site Mm -hmm. of the crash. Mm -hmm. Using an aircraft seat as a makeshift sleigh, he returned to the crash site in one hour. Stop. (laughs) Okay, how amazing, I mean, terrifying, but like, how fast was that guy going? Like, and you're to the point where you're going to die. So why not take the best sled ride of your life? Do it. I mean, not the best, but who, like, how fast are you going down that hill? And who gives a fuck if you right or whatever? No, I agree. So on the summit, Parada told Knessa, we may be walking to our deaths, but I would rather walk to meet my death than wait for it to come to me. Yeah. You and I are friends, Nando. We have been through so much. Now let's go die together. Oh, I got goosebumps again. Um, so they followed the ridge towards the valley and descended a considerable distance. And so gradually as they're walking, mm-hmm. they're peeing. Back to the plane. No, no, no. Oh. These two kept going. Oh, so these are the two that, okay. They kept going. Um, they, they found more signs of human life. Then they saw cows. Mm-mm. They were super tired and they were thinking that we can't go any further. They were gathering wood to build a fire and they saw three men on horseback <gasps> on the other side of a river. Oh my God. So the three men couldn't hear them because the river was like going so fast and making so much noise. So basically Parado called to them and they couldn't hear. So one of the men uh, scribbled something on a piece of paper and put it on a rock and threw it across. Again, so smart. And uh, (laughs) they relayed the news of the survivors uh, once they got together with these three men. Um, They, the army command in San Fernando, Chile, 
uh, contact the army in Santiago. Uh, meanwhile, Parado and Canessa were brought on horseback to Los Metens de Curcio. Sure. Uh, I'm totally saying that wrong. <laughs> uh, where they were fed and allowed to rest. Unknown to them, they had hiked 24 miles over 10 days. Oh my gosh. What? With no proper clothing. No or... proper clothing, no proper equipment, like whatever they could fashion. So that just out shows of... you like how mental like survival is. Yeah. You, know? you just have to get in there. Yeah. So since the plane crash, Knessa had lost almost half of his body weight, which would be 97 pounds. Oh my God. 97 pounds? Get in my pocket. Jesus. 97 pounds. That's tiny. Yeah. And these are probably big rugby playing guys. men. So that's, wow. So when the news broke that people survived the crash of Ergean Air Force Flight 571, uh, a flood of international reporters began wa- uh, began walking several kilometers, don't know how long that is, along the route from Puente Negro to Termas del Flaco. The reporters clamored to interview Parado and Canessa about the crash and the sur- their survival ordeal. So, anyway, they sent two helicopters to come get the survivors. On the afternoon of the December 22nd, 1972, two helicopters carrying search and rescue personnel finally reached the survivors. The steep terrain only permitted the pilot to touch down with a single skid. I think that's like one of the things that they land on. Okay. I don't know. Sure. I should have looked that up. Um, the two helicopters were able to take only half the survivors. Four members of the search and rescue team volunteered to stay with the seven survivors that were remaining, which is very nice of them. And that's a lot of survivors. I mean, yes. So the survivors slept a final night in the fuselage with the search and rescue party, and the second flight of helicopters arrived the following morning no. at daybreak. I'd be like, get me out of here. Right? I'm not sleeping <laughs> one more night. I've been here too long. Get me out. They carried the remaining survivors to hospitals in Santiago for evaluation. And are you ready for this? They were treated for a variety of conditions, including altitude sickness, dehydration, frostbite, broken bones, scurvy, and malnutrition. Like, that's well, it. It's like, yeah, but it's like, yeah, duh. Like, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, makes those are the basics, sense. but they, like, the fact that they didn't have broken bones and, like, yeah. And there was a little bit of an outcry from people that, because people found out that they ate human flesh to survive the over two months. But those people are already dead. Like, what are you going to do? Well, a lot of the people who were on the rugby team and their family and friends that were there were very religious. And so oh. they were very concerned that they were all going to hell because, wow. you know. But don't worry. A Catholic church priest heard the survivors' Thank confessions God. and told them that they were not condemned to for anthropophagy. Thank God, Catholic priest. Eating the dead. And given an extremist the nature of their survival situation. So, I mean, I guess, hallelujah, you guys are fine. Plus, I feel like anyone who hears this story is like, what was your other choice? And shouldn't the question really be, why would they call off the search so quickly? Like, yeah. instead of pointing fingers at the survivors and being like, I can't believe you ate other people. Like, how about, why would you call off the search so fast? Right. Exactly. It was eight wow. days. Eight days they called off the watch search. The, yeah, that's not... That's not enough days. I, I, I need know. to watch that documentary now. So, um... At the end, the survivors that were still up there, they decided to actually bury in a communal grave at the oh. crash site, um, and they burned the fuselage. And so they doused the remains of the fuselage in gasoline and set it alight. Only the charred airframe remains. Really? To mm-hmm. this day? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that is 
the crash from 1972. Damn. <laughs> that Alive was made after. <clears throat> so Good job. Thanks. I feel like I'm sorry I read a lot of that, but I'm going to read a lot of mine. It's fine. Okay. Like... But it's just... That's a lot of detail to it's cover. It's crazy. Like, I, I actually had never, never heard it. I've never heard that story. No, I hadn't either. And plane crashes are kind of, A, something I'm terrified of, but then B, I'm very interested in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I just can't believe people survive that long. And have the, the will. And to be that smart and to think that quickly, like... Yeah. I, I just feel like they were so smart the whole, the whole time. I would never have thought that. Yeah. To do those things. Yeah. I agree. Wow. So that's it. That's, That's mine. That was good. Thanks. Kenny, any thoughts on that? Hey, everybody. We really hope you love Sip, Survive, Repeat. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to a charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on your iPhone or Android and have a and we have a special code for you. Simply use our code SIPSURVIVE and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. You're welcome. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with code SIPSURVIVE. I swear, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. It did for me. And me. I got nothing. Okay, great. But think Danelle has a story that you know so might relate oh I think one of the reasons maybe why we're friends yeah. is I am terrified of flying as well and my story is a plane survival story as well yay <laughs> we didn't do this on purpose we really didn't no amazing okay so I've always been fascinated with flying and mm-hmm. terrified of it mm-hmm. um, my dad actually flew small planes like as a hobby oh god like we didn't own a plane, we were never wealthy or anything like that. But, right. but he, that's I apparently feel like... you can rent a plane from an airport. Oh god, I didn't. I mean, so he took like pilot classes, and would always fly these little like Cessna planes, and always would want me to go up in them. And oh, I god. was like, Dad, no. Oh my god, I'm ter- no. <laughs> that's but I did me. one time. You and did one time, and we went like 1,500 feet, and it was terrifying. Terrifying. I, bet. I never did it again. <laughs> And You're like, Dad, always, that's enough. Thank you. And he would always say to me, like one time we went to the Bahamas, he would always say to me, um, he's like, why are you so afraid to fly? And I'm like, I just feel like crashing to the earth would be the worst way to go. Because Agreed. you're scared. You can't say goodbye to people. Like you're, it just. You're out of control. You're out of control. I don't like to be out of control. That's and I think the that's the biggest thing. Like yes. for me, it's like, there's nothing I can do. If I'm on a plane that's going down, I'm on a plane that's going down. Right. Shit. Where if you're driving a car, at least you're maybe kind of in control, but kind of. <laughs> and he said, and I remember him turning around and looking at me and saying, "What are you talking about? It's the best way to go. You don't even know what's happening. Like you'll be it, like." And I'm like, "No, Dad, it's not. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm terrified." So my um, story is also about um, a lady, and her name is Carolyn Cross, and it is 
on a smaller plane, okay. which I guess apparently the smaller the plane, the less your survival, which kind of makes sense now that I'm like thinking about it. Right. But as I was typing this, I'm like, ooh, fun fact. But really. That makes sense. It kind of makes sense. So. Um, I think a lot of amateur people fly small planes. Therefore. A lot of crap. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny. Look at Kenny, dropping the knowledge. All right, Kenny, I'm glad you're here with us. Um, so my story is about this badass Carolyn Cross, who on October 27th, 2011, survived a plane crash. What? Um, and her story is pretty cool. I'm going to go through a little bit of her backstory, mm-hmm. and it's going to kind of come full circle when I'm done. So just hang okay. in there with me. But okay. I feel like it's important to tell like her story. Um, so she's from Montreal, Canada and she's a mother of three and she's married to her husband, Bob. Don't know why I had to have his name in there, but I did. Okay. I mean, good for Bob. Um, the cool thing about Carolyn is she's really smart. She's a background in finance and she doesn't have just some small finance job. Like she's the VP of some really important bank in Canada called the Royal Bank. Oh, fancy. Um, so she's super successful career mom. I'm assuming she's in her early forties. Let's just say that. Sure. Um, it's actually kind of hard to find a lot of information on her particularly, but, um, she's super successful. Um, and in 1999, she left the finance world. So her, all of her degrees, her master's and her undergrad is in finance. But in 1999, she decided to leave the finance world and become, listen to this, a CEO of a small biomedical company. Oh, just like decide to do just, that. I'm just going to decide to work I mean, for where her. were you in 1999? Let's I mean, I was in Minerva, Ohio. Cool. Being a high school brat and just, <laughs> I don't know, like not, not being a CEO of anything ever. I mean, where were you in 1999? I was in my senior year of high school. I was captain of the kick line. Of course Cheerleader you were. USA. Of course you were. And uh, it was just... It was my time to shine. I loved 99. It was great. I was a junior. I had lots of acne. I was <laughs> oh, awkward. No. I just, Aww. you know, whatever. Yeah, it everyone's was, a little awkward. The 90s were rough. Yeah. Kenny? I was graduating preschool. Shut I up, Kenny. Maybe yeah, learning to tie my shoes. I don't know. Yeah. My favorite story about Kenny, and then we'll get back to your story, I swear, is one time I played uh, Funk Soul Brother for him. You know that song? Right about now. Funk, funk soul, soul brother. brother. Yeah. Check it out Is that now. Are those right? I never have the right words. The Funk, funk Soul so. Brother. Yeah. Um, and you didn't know that he didn't know. I was like, haven't you heard this? And he goes, no. And I'm like, this was my jam in 99. And he goes, I was four. That was my. I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Kenny? <laughs> All right. I'm born. So back to her CEO fabulousness. So she's just super smart. Love and. It. Um, the cool thing about this company that she is now the CEO of, she was hired on to bring it to market. So it's this really small biomedical company, and they specifically work with – I promise you guys this will get more interesting. They specifically work with laser technology for gum disease. So if you have gum disease and you can't you can't use antibiotics because your body's resistant to antibiotics, the laser, this laser will, like, get rid of any bacteria, Ooh. whatever. So, um, so yeah, no scientific background. Hire to bring this to market to hospitals was her main goal. And during this time, um, she's, like I said, a mother of three. Her daughter became very ill with a tonsil infection, and that was actually misdiagnosed, and um, her daughter wasn't responding to antibiotics. Oh, no. So Carolyn, being her badass self, um, decided to expand the antibiotic laser to all types of conditions and oh, issues okay. and this was her new like this was her new 
where she wanted to go with the company. Yeah. I'm trying to scroll down and my computer's not letting me. Hold on. Okay, wait. <laughs> I don't have my mouse. Okay, so this is a quote from her. For over a week, I was watching her in isolation, her daughter, with tubes and in really rough shape, wondering if she was going to survive, Cross said. That's her last name. And it was at the time I that I was saying, here I am worrying about gum disease. I have to take this to the next level. And again, this comes full circle. Yeah. So she refocused the entire company and admits as the CEO that she would not have done this um, if her daughter would not have gotten sick or um, almost losing her daughter to a simple tonsil infection um, due to uh, you know drug resistance. Yeah. Um, so fast forward to the day of the plane crash, which is October 27, 2011. It's in the afternoon. And she's boarding a plane that's traveling from, okay, here we go. It's traveling to Kelowna, Canada, British Columbia, Great. from Vancouver. You can, Vancouver's correct. Right. So it's, she's going from Vancouver to Kelowna. Okay. It's about a four-hour flight. I looked it up because I was like, where the hell is Kelowna? Kelowna, right. Kelowna, whatever. Um, so Vancouver's right north of Seattle. So it's like in the middle of Canada where she's flying to. Okay. Um, and the airline is Northern Thunderbird Air. Uh, so, wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Red right. flag. Right. <laughs> Small plane. Small plane. What's Not it called Delta. again? Northern Thunderbird Air. I feel like that was a cartoon I watched in the 80s <laughs> called Thunderbirds. No, that was the Thundercats. Love Sorry. the Thundercats. Right? Delicious mm-hmm. and amazing. Okay. So the Thunder, the Thunderbird, Thunderbird is taking her to Catawana? To can- can- whatever. To somewhere that in the middle place. of Canada. Yes. We love you, Canada. It, so it's not Delta. Let's just say that. Okay. It's a small Great. plane. Um, it's about a four-hour flight. The plane, the plane held nine passengers. Yes. If that's you've ever been a, on a small plane, enough. that's terrifying. And I have. Yeah. So I flew once from somewhere to Houston on this rickety old plane. Um, and I really thought I was, I was like 10 and I thought I was going to die. Because it was just every single bump, you're just like, you know. Sorry, Kenny. Um, killed it. I don't need any more. I've already drank half the bottle of wine. Um, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it's called Sip, Survive, survive and Repeat. repeat. Duh. So I told I, you we needed two bottles, but let's keep going. I know. Next time. Next time. <laughs> so, I hate small planes. They're awful. They bounce. They dip. Whatever. Um, anyway, she was heading to a conference to meet up with colleagues and entrepreneurs. It was a work trip, so she wasn't there with her family. Um, so, she took the seat in the back of the plane, which I always try to take the front seat because it's less bouncy. So I also feel like, again, like you said, the back seat... I'm like, when that tail comes off first, you're out. You're gone. Bye. Gone. Okay. So she takes the back seat. And um, it was interesting in the article I read because she said she could see the pilot from where she was sitting because it was a small plane. So she was like catty cornered to the, you know, and this is, so the door was open clearly so she could see the pilot. And she really had a vivid memory of when they were taking off he really enjoyed what he was doing because she could tell she's also a nervous flyer. So she's paying attention to all these details as you do. But whoa, 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 whoa. The pilot's door was open? Yes. So like it's Canada. I was going to say, did 9-11 not affect Canada? I, it's 2011. So okay. I don't know. Right. Great. Because she could see it. The door was open. Great. And I'm sure there wasn't like a flight crew. They just had like a red velvet rope cordoning him <laughs> off. Do not, do not cross. <laughs> Caution tape. <laughs> So, All right. So he's climbing, you know, they're they're taking off and he's climbing and climbing and she's noticed like just how calm he was and he really must enjoy what he does and was at peace and like the sun was like gleaming in on his face oh. and she noticed the colors and was just very relaxed in that moment. And um, again, Carolyn also talked about how she's a really nervous flyer. So as you know, Jenny, 
I pay attention to everything. Uh-huh. I pay attention to the people around me. Uh-huh. I want to see what that captain looks like. <laughs> I want to know, you know, how old he is, how long he's been doing this. And I also want to know that he's a nice man. And I want him to tell me when there's going to be turbulence. It's yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I really like about a captain hmm. is when he comes on the speaker and he has an accent, a Southern accent. Y'all. For some reason, I feel like when he comes on, he says, ladies and gentlemen, we're flying over the blah, 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 blah. And you it's all ease and comfort. Yeah. I just feel like he knows what he's doing for yeah, some reason. I, agree. I don't know why. And I'm from the Midwest, so I don't know why I have that feeling. I once went to Key West in college. I mean, this is what I spent my student loan money on. Smart. Bad decisions. No. It's fine. Amazing. Took my extra student loan money, went to Key West. Good. And if you've ever been to Key West, the airport is tiny. Okay. And we were literally sitting like on the floor waiting for our flight and two pilots walked by and the one pilot said to the other, man, I'm really hungover from last night. It was our pilot that was flying our plane. <laughs> no. I was no, terrified. No, no. It was obviously I made it back, but it was Obviously, scary. yes, but mm, that's but not But I pay attention to all those things. So I understand her you know, watching this moment and thinking yeah. like he must really love what he does and blah blah blah. I feel safe with him. Yeah. Like he's good at what he does. Like he has a southern accent. Right. I get it. About 15 minutes into the flight, mm-hmm. the pilot informed everyone that he has to turn the plane around oh. and head back to Vancouver Airport. Oh. Now, this is where I would flip out. Oh, God. <laughs> because they oh, no. had to turn around due to a small oil leak. Oh, no, no, no. It and wasn't it like cloud tower? Nope. Small oil leak. Got to turn this plane around. I would be freaking out. She also mentioned that she looked around and nobody seemed to care that this was happening, that they were turning around. I would be having a panic attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That sounds mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. Okay. So after this was this announcement was made, she kept watching the pilot and then she then noticed his hand trembling, shaking, and it was white, ghost white. So she knew right away something was wrong. She's like, this guy was so calm during takeoff and now he's freaking out. And he's scared, therefore I'm freaking out even more. Yeah, no, you never, never should the pilot show that's it's, why they have doors. On that's planes. why Canada, get doors on your small planes. Get rid of that red velvet rope. Listen, our one listener, if you know someone in Canada, (laughs) tell them to put doors on their small planes. (laughs) Although this worked in her favor because, um, Jenny, you're a mom. Yes. So the the first thing she did was um, she reached for her phone. Oh, my God. And she texted and emailed her kids. She, so she has three kids, David, who's 15, Mm -hmm. Jamie, who's 11, and Julia, who's nine, and her husband, Bob. 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 Love him. And um, obviously, Julie, Julia and Jamie, who's 9 and 11, did not have cell phones, so she emailed them. And she didn't want to scare them, um, so she didn't want to type something, and she specifically said this in an interview, Mummy, Mummy, because that's what they say, Aww. Mummy is dying in a plane crash. <laughs> so instead, <laughs> she wrote to the two youngest and filled the subject line of the email with, Mummy loves Julie and Jamie. And then the body of the email read, to pieces. I will always be with you. Be kind to each other. Be good at what you do. Be a good role model to others. I am proud of who you are. Love you forever, mummy. And then she quickly texts Bob and the eldest son to probably say something very similar. And um, she sent the messages. This is the creepy part. She sent the messages at 4.02 p.m. The plane crashed eight minutes later, 4.10 Oh, goosebumps. So she just had time. Like, she, her intuition kicked in, and she was like, this shit's going down. And I feel like I would do the same thing. Like, if the plane was going down, as long as I got to say my goodbyes, I would be at, like... As long as that Wi-Fi's kicking. Get in there. Make sure sure that Wi-Fi's working so you can do it. Damn straight. That's the thing about these flights. It never works for me. (laughs) 
How did they, a small plane, how does she have Wi-Fi on it? I don't know. She's a CEO. She's fancy. Right. She's probably got like a Wi-Fi stick or something. All right. Yeah, whatever shit. it's called. Whatever. We love it. So after she, she sent this um, email and text, she had an overwhelming sense of peace and calmness. And she was just like, Jesus, take the wheel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to die. Oh, God. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and she, she even said, she's like, I am actually not afraid to die anymore. Um, and she said it was rather odd. And that she was a sense of peace. Um, so as the plane finally turned around, she said, again, half the people seemed still seemed oblivious at this time as to what was going on. Oh, God. And then um, finally the plane jolted very sharply to the left. And um, then everyone in the plane quickly realized that something was really wrong and they were... Things Screwed? Were not, things are not going to end well. Right. Um, Get your seatbelts on. I mean, have you ever had that where, like, you're flying and everyone is oblivious? Like, I was oh, flying yeah. from Philly to D.C. once, and the plane, it was a small plane, and the turbulence was so bad. First of all, we were circling D.C. in a storm, which irritates me. The turbulence was so bad, my cell phone literally flew out of my hand. And someone screamed. There was literally a yelp on the plane. Oh, no. And my friend who was flying with me, I looked back at her, and she travels a lot for work, and she was going, we're going to die. She was, like, lipping that to me. We're going to die. And I was like, here we go. I'm going to die. And then the guy in front of me was pat fast asleep. It happens. So turbulence puts him to sleep. My point is people were starting to wake up and realize what was happening. Right. So um, where was I? Let's see. They is were that going to be your thing? Yeah. The clicking? Okay. Is Keep that going. annoying? No, I love it. It might sound annoying. I'm really nervous to hear my voice later. It's Kenny. not that bad. Okay. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's like a husband phrase. That's not that bad. That means it's annoying as shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they were dropping. Then they started dropping fast. And oh, she said... The last thing she remembers is looking down to a patch of green. So imagine just face planting to the earth and seeing the ground become larger and larger and larger. And luckily for her, she blacks out. Oh, see? And she doesn't That's have what any, I think. So maybe my dad was right, okay? Okay. But right. the Xanax and the wine before a flight, <laughs> it still doesn't work for me. So she, they crash to the ground. She wakes up to a smell of fuel and starts screaming. She notices the other passengers are still like passed out from crashing. And she starts yelling, get up, get up, get up, get out. The plane, um, it was on fire, the back end. So she was very close to the, fly- the fire and it was closing in. Um, so talking about seats and being buckled in, she noticed that she was still in her seat, buckled in, in the middle of the aisle. So her plane, her seat had been readjusted due to the crash and she was blocking the exit. Um, so she knew she had to get out of that seat and get off the plane because it was burning and it could blow up. Right. So she unbuckles the seat and tries to stand up and falls directly to the ground and knocks all of her teeth out. <gasps> I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Knocks her teeth out, smashes all her head them? in the fall. Yep. Jesus. So she was like, nope, I'm not dying in this plane. So she drags herself to the exit. So is something wrong with her legs? Yes. Oh, God. She okay. basically has spinal injuries and stuff. <gasps> oh, my God. So she okay. drags herself mm-hmm. out of the plane. Yes. And, um, or to the exit, like maneuvers around her seat that's blocking the exit. And all of a sudden someone grabs her from outside and pulls her off the plane. Oh my God. And rescues her. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was lifted out of the plane and taken to safety by a, by a bystander. His name was Simon Pierce. Oh, Simon. So a little bit about Simon Pierce, which yes. is pretty crazy. Um, he happened to be driving by with his wife. He's also a pilot. Oh. 
with Transport Canada, another airline, and has been trained for situations like this. Okay, Transport Canada sounds legit. Right. Unlike I'm going to fly Thunderbird. Right. I'm not going to fly Thunderbird, but I'm going to fly Transport. So he knows what to do, and mm-hmm. he made the choice to save her and pull her out of a burning plane. Oh, my God. Um, so... Carolyn, her injuries include jaw trauma, obviously, mm. broken ribs, fractured pelvis, broken teeth, head trauma, knee injury, and PTSD, obviously. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, she was rushed, rushed to the hospital where she stayed for more than two weeks. Um, Simon, who rescued her, and his wife actually visited her and later described Carolyn as um, there was an energy about her that him and his wife both felt she was a force to be reckoned with. That's that's what he felt when he rescued her. Um, and Simon, actually, after the crash and rescuing her, had to learn how to fly again because he was so shooken up by the sight of the crash. Oh, I'm sure. He had to take pilot classes again and go to counseling, and he's finally back to his normal life because he was so, like, it was obviously such a devastating scene. So wait, did other people survive the crash? I will get to that. Oh, okay. Jump okay. the gun, jump the gun. So... To circle back, when Carolyn was in the hospital and she was going all going through all these surgeries, she was taken to Vancouver Hospital, which mm-hmm. was actually a test hospital for her lasers for her laser fighting equipment. Oh. I'm not doing it justice. But, I know what you're saying. And they actually used her laser on her in her surgeries to help fight bacterial infections and stuff. Oh, and it was shit. under a clinical trial, so it wasn't like it was readily available in all of Canada. It was just that particular hospital. Right. They're like, you're the so, CEO. Guess what we're doing to you? I thought that was really full circle and that kind is. of amazing, and it and it could have potentially helped save her life. Yes. So, um, let's see. Um, she, so since this accident, she's made it her life's mission to get to get the company's laser technology into as many hospitals as possible, and really to her her goal of doing media and press after the crash was to highlight Simon and the people that rescued them. And, and she said that the media was missing. They had the wrong story um, to Carolyn. The story was about the crash was not about the crash or the survivors. It was about the bystanders like Simon who risked their lives to help. Um, so all in all seven of nine people survived the plane crash. Holy shit. That's the amazing. The pilot and the co-pilot died. So oh. the man, his hands were shaking died but every all the other passengers survived luckily. wow yeah wow so that's the story of carolyn cross <laughs> oh my god yay good yeah. job that was amazing yeah she's a badass she I really like is her. yeah drug herself out of that plane god. get it girl mm. so now nice. kenny uh i think kim is coming in right now so we might hear a little door opening hey girl hey hi, hi. um so kenny a, what did you think of our stories? And then B, don't you have something that you want to talk about? Very different stories, but, you know, enjoyed them. Enjoyed them thoroughly. <laughs> so I told you guys I was going to come up with, like, a nice little fun segment at the end. Yeah. I told Danelle this today. I originally said I was going to do, like, a, a bad criminal. You know, like, yeah. criminal is sucked. <laughs> it's very, very hard to find. Sucky criminals? Sucky criminals. Like, I don't know what to Google. I was like... Criminals that suck. Yeah, Doesn't criminals work. that suck or don't <laughs> criminal. Like, there's not many things. Yeah. So I'm like, the weird news of the week. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm into that. Current weird news. Love it. So I'm going to have you guys guess what the rest of this headline is. Okay. A man is suing his parents. What do you think he's suing them for? A man. A man. Oh, I know. Oh, you know Wait, the then story? You, then let me go first. Okay, you go. Because I already um, know. A man is suing his parents for, can you tell me how old he is? 
No. Uh, he is 27. Hmm. I, I actually um maybe for back payment for his rent. I don't know. That's stupid. I've got nothing. So he is suing his parents for giving birth to him without his consent. <laughs> you know, oh God, you know how was like a belly laugh. That was insane. You know how fetuses have to give consent before Listen, they're born. Let's have our own opinions as a fetus. I don't want to be born. That's ridiculous. It's part of the anti, I might, I'm going to butcher this word, natalist movement. Sure. It says having children is morally wrong. What? Says who? <laughs> Tell Declan that. That's my son. <laughs> he says, my life has been amazing, but I don't see why I should put another life through the rigmarole of school and finding a career, especially when they didn't ask to exist. Oh my gosh. How does he know he didn't ask? There could be like cosmic shit that happens what that's my that's my personal opinion <laughs> that and, there's cosmic and, shit and what if, you know what buddy what if you did something bad and you've been reincarnated and this is your punishment boom that's you know but, what but someone asked is it forcing a child into this world and then forcing them to have a career kidnapping and slavery oh stop <laughs> is it <laughs> I think it's just people who can't find a good job. They're just like, I'm going to sue my parents. Like, right. It's I a cheap way out. Did it go to court? I don't know if it went to court. I think he's just trying to sue him right now. Jeez. That is okay. hilarious. But that is, that's my dumb news of the week for that. It's almost okay, like, that's amazing. It's almost like the one guy who, this is not funny, but he, I think he, it was like a drunk driving thing, but he, he claimed that he was like wealthy, so he didn't understand, or that was like his... You know what I mean? Like yeah. he didn't have to face. He didn't know any better, basically, because yeah. he was so rich. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> I'm curious to see if he wins. Hopefully, you know. I'm hoping I can it doesn't go to trial. I'm hoping no judge is going to be like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great case. Let's do this thing." Because poor public defender is going to have to. That's so sad. Well, like, poor lawyer is going to have to be on his side. Right. <sighs> it's literally the worst. That's great. Good one, Kenny. Yeah, thank you. Thank I like you. that. Um, well, so this is Sip, Survive, Repeat, and this is our first episode. We didn't know we were going to have a, a airplane crash theme. Who knows what we'll have next week? I know. I'm so excited. Maybe we'll, maybe we have ESP. Like, we'll just know. Or we have ESPN. Like, we just know sports. No. Just kidding. I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> no. Nope. Mm-mm. Oh, my God. Um, well, if you guys are interested um, in anything that we're doing, which we hope you are, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast listen to it all day long all day every day all day every day (laughs) and uh we have instagram which is sip survive repeat we have twitter which is at sip survive at sip survive and then we also have facebook which is sip survive repeat um and we also have a gmail account if you guys want to tell us any of your survival stories we would love to hear them yeah, we'll give you a shout out yes uh and that is sip survive repeat at gmail.com we'll put this in the description and you can dm us on any of the accounts too so thank you guys for listening we hope you Thanks. liked it and we'll see you next week for hey guys it's jenny from sip survive repeat and we love our listeners but we want to get some more ratings and reviews so if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts, and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again 
is rate and review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels I just mentioned. And we'll send you a Sip, Survive, Repeat sticker. And it's big, you guys. Size of your hand at least. So again, send it to us and we'll see you soon. Another episode. See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.